0: Recorded live. Rainosaur presents the weekday
1: warriors of. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Patrick Kelly and Eric Clancy joining you, August twenty fourth, twenty fifteen. It is the weekday Warriors of Wrestling on Monday. Um, uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about because we uh, two week. Break had a again. big weekend. Yeah, we had a big weekend. Uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, and more Brooklyn, and there will be Brooklyn tonight. Um, a lot of content, some of it good, some of it not so good. Um, do you want to go chronologically through um, how the show's occurred, or should we go the most recent? What do you want to do?
0: Uh, chronologically makes the no most sense. All
1: right, let's do that. All right, guys. So before before we start chatting, just make sure to um, like the Brainosaur on uh, Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, follow the show on um, TalkShoe, subscribe on iTunes, all those things. We really appreciate it. Um, any feedback or anything you can email to the brain of store at uh, gmail.com. We really appreciate it. Trust us. Um, and just let us know what you'd like us to talk about, what you like to see on the site. Um, your feedback is super helpful. And I mean, it's, it's how we decide what we talk about. So, um, all right. <clears throat> so, uh, I was at Brooklyn, uh, and I mean, I, I thought it was just one of the best shows I've ever seen live. Um, I would say, like, top to bottom by far, personally.
0: And you're talking about SummerSlam? What? No. Just to to... clarify, you talking about NXT. I don't know if you – did you say you were talking about NXT? Yeah, yeah, no,
1: oh, no, I was not – I did not go to SummerSlam. Uh, No, I'm talking (laughs) about NXT. Um,
0: And I'm extremely jealous of you that you got to go to that show, because watching it live at home, I was like, man, this is a pretty lively and awesome show. I wish I could be there
1: yeah i i liked it the only thing is my section like totally blue it was nearly impossible to get any chance going we just had to like siphon off of other people's chance and it was i swear the guy next to my friend uh kelly and i went and she um she was sitting next to this guy who i swear to god was just he did not say a word the whole time he just stared straight forward and i i guess you're welcome to watch the show however you want i just i I'd never seen that before, so um <clears throat> kudos to you silent man um
0: I'm picturing Baron Corbin just sitting in the crowd with his arms crossed. he was, he like... was
1: nowhere near as intimidating as baron corbin um <laughs> but uh yeah i i mean it it was awesome um I got to see the um the matches ahead of time for uh, next week's um Show and I, I won't spoil it for anyone. I mean, who who is interested? We're, we'll just talk about the, um, I guess, what the five matches that were on the show. Uh, it, we opened up with Tyler Breeze and Jushin Thunder Liger, and I like that. Um, I like that every time uh, Breeze is getting like an Undertaker esque entrance, like he he gets a special entrance each time.
0: Um, the character deserves it. I mean, he's such a colorful and other you know he's one of the few nxt guys that really does have that kind of for lack of a better word that cartoon character type of vibe to him so to do that over the top stuff with his entrances i think totally fits
1: yeah no there's no cartoon characters on this show patrick like the 1900 strongmen or the
0: uh you know i mean like a lot of the guys that get pushed on the show like they pretty much keep their personality from the indies and that's yeah. Not a bad thing, but when you look at guys yeah. like the Nevilles and the Kevin Owens and, uh, and, Hideo and, and all those guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, and you know, um, I, I think some of the best moments come from, you know, those, I mean, it, it's, it's not one way or the other. I just think it has a nice balance to it, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So I thought, uh, Tyler's entrance was great. I thought he got a, one of the bigger pops of the night. Uh, Cass and Enzo got the biggest pop, I think. Um, I mean, it was like Balor, Owens, Breeze, Enzo, and Cass. I'm just saying, like, they were all up there as far as, like, top pops. Um, uh, I-, I thought the match was good. I thought Liger did a lot of fun stuff that, like, you you wouldn't expect him to do and might be a little bit out of character, and I thought that worked. Um, it just, <clears throat> it bugs me because, I mean you're in such a no-win situation for this because Tyler desperately needs a win against a top guy. I mean, he beats lower-level competition, and they want him to come off like one of the big top guys. They want Tyler Breeze up there with, like, you know, Owens and Balor and uh, Zayn and all those guys. But every time a new guy comes in, Tyler Breeze gets knocked down the ladder. Um, I thought this, this was good, and I understand you don't want Liger to come in and lose, although you did that with Sting, so I don't understand what the issue with that is. Oh, wait, I do. Um, But uh, I swear, Triple H has a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality. When he's NXT, he's like, I'm the most giving man on the planet. And when it's him uh, as a wrestler, he's like, no, 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 no. And then shoots lightning into the hand. That's what I said
0: all the time. When he's not writing for himself, he's great.
1: Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it kind of sucked that Tyler lost. I mean, I get it, but it was, and we'll talk about this with Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Like, it's it's nice to to have the match, and, and it's nice that Tyler Breeze got put in that spot. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, you are trying to promote him, and theoretically, he is going to be the next guy to challenge Finn Balor. Um, so, right, I, there's you know, really
0: nobody else. I mean, I guess Baron Corbin, but he kind of got knocked down too. So it's like, eh, what do you do?
1: Yeah, your options are really. I mean, Joe, uh, Tyler, Corbin. I mean, that would be. It, Apollo Crews just got there, so they're not going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. Who else is there? Like, like that's pretty I much mean, it. I don't or know. If they want
0: to do that match 45 more times, you know,
1: <clears throat> yeah. Breeze has
0: got to be one of the top options.
1: Yeah. Um – Yeah, so um, I like the match, but, you know, I I didn't love the booking. Uh, And we kind
0: of figured that that was the problem going into the match. It's like, oh, it's cool that Tyler got this, but at the same time, it's like you kind of got the sense that he was going to get fed to Liger, and that's kind of what happened.
1: Well, you thought he was going to go over, though, right? Because I I thought Liger was going to win, but you thought Breeze was probably going to go over. Am I remembering that incorrectly?
0: Um, Well, you always fear. That's the thing. You look. And unfortunately, this is a modern day wrestling thing, but you kind of, the new guy, the fresh guy that needs to push should go over. And that was the way it used to be. But nowadays we live in this age where the legend just has to go over for some reason. I don't understand it. I never saw Bret Hart do jobs for Pedro Morales, but you know, it, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's weird. It's just like for years, WWE would not acknowledge the past at all. Like, in the Attitude Era, they're like, fuck that shit. And and now it's just like they cannot get enough at it to to almost the detriment of the current stars. Because I hate to, uh, you know, it's almost like this SNL, like, um, mindset where people are like, oh, it's not any good anymore. Or, it used to be better. And I'm like, man, the wrestling on Raw and NXT is as good as anything that's ever existed in mainstream pro wrestling. Like, and, I mean, even, like, this parts you want about the Attitude Era. Like, you want, like, Mark Henry and, like, a prostitute uh, or, like, um, a transvestite. Why they and, him,
0: it, baby.
1: Yeah, you want, like, you know, I mean, like, think about it. Like, there were parts that were good. There were parts that were bad. But, like, regressing and, like, doing the same stuff is, is, is not going to work. Um, so The Skagit is
0: a powerful drug. And it, you know, gives you rose-colored glasses that, sees, you know, let you see past a lot of the faults
1: yeah exactly yeah um all right so the tag title match i thought and i want to hear it from you um i thought it really popped and you mentioned this when we were talking on the phone yesterday and i said or you said the tag team division really hasn't had um any like classic matches and and i mean i can think of like one or two off the top of my head like uh Hideo Itami and Finn Balor against the Ascension, but that's not like really like two teams. It was like the new guys coming in to take down the Ascension, uh, more or less. It was almost like a Wild Samoans versus Bob Backlund, uh, uh, Pedro Morales uh, booking. Right,
0: Uh, right. Exactly.
1: And I thought this was one of the better, straight up, I mean, perhaps the best NXT tag match I've seen.
0: I would agree with that. Um, The tag title match is usually not a major highlight on these takeover specials. Uh, For shows that normally, you know, Grand Slam, Home Run, whatever you want to say, uh, you know, all near-perfect shows, the tag title match is usually, you know, ranges from okay to, you know, solid, but never really a major highlight. This was probably the first time I felt like, wow, the tag title match was a a major highlight. Um, I thought Enzo and Cass versus Blake and Murphy at the last one was really good, but I think this one surpassed it. It gave uh, the storyline ha- at hand a big payoff. You got the nice little surprise of including blue pants, which was great, and it was a lot of fun, really well worked, and you got a title change that was very satisfying, and I know you feel this way, too, but I've been a big fan of the Vard villains ever since they showed up, and to see them finally get the tag titles, I think is great. I think they're the best team in NXT. They have been for a while, so Uh, They entertained the holy hell out of me, so I'm I'm glad that they got this.
1: Well, I I think a thing that I like a lot about the Vought villains is they haven't been really watered down. And maybe it was the fact that they were off TV for like two months, but Mm -hmm. it it comes off to me like a lot of times when you turn heels face, they lose so much and they become like typical WWE baby faces. not so much in NXT, but, you know, in WWE it happens. And the vaudevillains. That, that
0: sums have, up Edge's whole career. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, spare, spare, spare.
1: Um, <laughs> the uh, the Vaude villains have never really, they've turned them face without ruining who they are or compromising their character, um, and, and it's worked really well. And I, I mean, they're they're pretty much the same people that they were before. Because I mean. What what were the vaude villains doing that people didn't like it? like they were old timey strongmen. They were ridiculous. Like they're still ridiculous. They're still old timey strongmen. Like they they're, they're chivalrous. They 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 do the things that they've always done. So the, there hasn't really been any change, which I appreciate. Um, and they haven't been watered down. And I like that a lot. I thought this was a really organic title change. I think a lot of people. Um, has said, uh, Buck Woodward notably says this. He's like, every match is a five-star match until it begins. And I have always said that that's absolute bullshit. Like, if oh, well, you we're think, talking about
0: SummerSlam. I have plenty to say about that, but keep going.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, if you think that a match is, is a five-star match until it begins, like, I get what you're saying, like, anything could happen. I fucking get it. But if you discount the characters and the and the build of the match, then, like, I don't know what to tell you, because that informs how you react, it informs how invested you are, um, like, I, I don't know what world you're living in, if you just think, like, people can just roll around and just have a great match, like, I don't fucking care if you, like, well, maybe if you, like, did a 450 splash up the rafters, it could be, but, you know, I mean, in general, the, um, you're not going to be able to do anything if, if the build-up sucks, and, I liked this build-up. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't, like, flashy, but it was a simple storyline. The villains could not beat Blake and Murphy because Alexa Bliss was always a wild card, and she was always uh, screwing it up. And the only way they could do it was if they neutralized her. They got Blue Pants. She did her... Sp- like, the story would have been, can Blue Pants do it or can she do it? Because we know the villains can beat them, and Blue Pants was able to do it, and they won the title. And <clears throat> it was annoying. organic... And
0: they sense to do it the way they did because... Bob Dillon's being the chivalrous gentleman that they are, they are not going to physically assault Alexa Bliss. So Correct. It, yeah, it it, yeah, it made sense character-wise.
1: Yeah, it made sense character-wise, and Blake and Murphy, um, you know, it, the buildup for them had been so great because they've evolved, and their their characters have been built up so, in such a way where okay, they start off and they upset the Lucha Dragons, and they're just these like high energy guys. But then they're, like, kind of everything NXT fans hate about wrestlers. They're just, like, they're loud music for no reason. They're a lot of high energy, but no real distinct character traits beyond being there. Um, and they start getting confident with that, and they start kind of becoming a little bit of a jackass. And they deal with Enzo and Colin, who are jackasses, but are beloved by the fans because of it. And through that, they to get under their skin, they become even more douchebags. And then they get Alexa Bliss, who helps them get over the hump, and they're pretty much unbeatable at that point in the tag division. And then the villains are slowly coming up at the same time. So Blake and Murphy had been built up so well from, from like, these underdogs to these, like, unstoppable, like, this tag team machine that, you know, it it it, it all synced up and it all worked really well. And everyone was peaking at the exact same time, and I thought that worked really well. I mean, it, it, it's so funny to me when I hear – I was at this show, like I said, this week, and I hear people chanting ECW, and I laugh because this is the most opposite of ECW I can possibly think of. Like, NXT is fucking 1993 Raw. Like, it absolutely is. I do not mean that as a knock, but, like, it's NXT. The reason NXT works, beyond the fact that they got top talent, they let them wrestle, and they do their thing on TakeOvers and on and sometimes on the main show, but NXT is allowed to breathe. NXT, for the most part, has squash matches where uh, the VOD villains or Blake and Murphy come down or, uh, you know, Bull Dempsey or whoever comes down and squashes a guy. And that's it. And then you build up to a big match at the TakeOver specials where they have to fight somebody that's equally on their level and you don't know who's going to win. It's the most opposite of ecw i can think of yet people are like ecw this is exactly what ecw rebelled against unfortunately now ecw style is the standard and nxt going back to its kind of uh squash match pre eric bischoff 1995 uh, nitro roots is the uh is the rebel in its own odd way and i i just find that so so fascinating you know.
0: And it really works. And I have to say when Dusty Rhodes passed away, I was fearful that NXT would lose that element because I felt like a lot of what you see is his influence. Like, oh, let's do squash matches and oh, let's do, you know, kind of old-style character building. Let's not blow our load on every single episode. And really, that's what killed Raw more than anything is that you can take, you know, title matches and big tag matches with main eventers and make it seem just boring and mundane whereas on NXT Anytime you get a competitive match, it feels like a big deal, and um, the squash matches aren't a waste, because as you said, they're used as character builders to get to a bigger match at these takeover specials, which have always delivered. As far as I'm concerned, NXT is 7 for 7, so uh, as far as quality goes, they know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, people can always be like, oh, squash matches, they're, you know, and they'll, and I, I feel, I'm such a fucking broken record with this shit, but like, you can say or do whatever you want and think you're the smartest wrestling fan in the world. And you can be. You can be Vince McMahon watching this. If you see something over and over again, you will believe it. Like I've said it to Patrick time and time again. If you, go on, if you watch a show and people shoot it, everybody, like, like let's say it's not even guns. They shoot people with Nerf arrows. And they say, these Nerf arrows will kill you if they hit you. So they start shooting people with Nerf arrows. Everybody starts dying. You're going to start believing that Nerf arrows are dangerous. And the next time somebody cocks one back to shoot it, you're going to, like, go, holy shit, he's going to shoot him. Despite the fact it's a fucking Nerf arrow. Because for the past few weeks, whenever somebody gets hit with a Nerf arrow, they die. If you tell me that Dolph Ziggler is a winner and all he's done is lose matches, I'm not going to believe you because all I've seen him do is lose. It doesn't matter what you say or how you do damage control on your, like, half-assed storyline. What you show us and what you do is what matters. That's why for years it was such a ridiculous thing when they portrayed John Cena as the underdog despite the fact he was the fucking kayfabe most unbeatable guy in the company. And it's like, be honest. Understand what you are. And NXT does that, and they establish certain guys as winners and certain guys as losers, and it means something. It's kind of like how Lucha Underground does things. And I-, I hate to be, like, of the broken record, but, like, squash matches help establish guys as winners when you don't want to waste a guy, like, when you don't want to have what we had on SummerSlam, which is guys that probably shouldn't be wrestling losing just because they want to have the match. So we'll get to that in yeah. a little bit, but, yeah. Um, mm mm-hmm. So uh, next we had Apollo Cruz and Ty Dillinger. Apollo Cruz, um, I like him.
0: Of... I think he's really good. I've seen very little of him before, but I liked what I saw here. He's very athletic, very strong, and yeah, it looks like they got another new star in the making.
1: Yeah, I um, I mean, I I saw the highlight reel when they signed him, um, and he was a very touted um, signing for them a few months ago, and he's. Um, the one thing that I would that I would have said just seeing Apollo Crews, and granted it was a highlight reel, uh, not from this match, but from his previous matches, and he didn't do it in his debut match, and I was happy about that, would be like slow it down a little bit. Like, like, dude, you can fucking do anything you want. You can do standing shooting star presses after like a Steiner screwdriver and like, you know, Phoenix splashes and whatever. Like, you don't have to do it all in like two seconds, you know? Like, like mm-hmm. space it out. Like there's only so much excitement I can take at once, and and he did that, and he, he finished him off with like with, it was a standing moonsault, right? It was a great standing right. moonsault, but that was it, and I and that was I mean that was all you needed, man. You did not need to do all that crazy stuff. And I'm not saying like have shitty matches, but I'm saying like don't blow your load all at one. Like 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 pace it out, you know. And
0: well, and, I think you've Dolph Ziggler as a bad example once again, but. I, all of his moves are completely pointless except for maybe the zigzag because that's really the only move he uses that I think can beat anybody because that's what WWE is presented. And he has all these other great moves like the Famouser and um, I think he has that like Face Buster off the top rope and all these other ones that he never wins with, so why should I care? Yeah, I, I And I just Apollo you. Cruz getting that standing moonsault over, I'm like, oh, well, that looks dangerous. And he's probably got like 40 other moves that he could use as finishers. So, you know, I look forward to seeing more from him.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, Samoa Joe and Baron Corbin. I thought this was by. I thought this is both men's best match in NXT. Um,
0: I kind of like the match with Rhino more uh, from the last takeover special, but yeah, as far as Corbin matches go, I thought he's showing some great signs of improvement. Yeah.
1: You know, um, I thought that. Um, <clears throat> I you know it was just a big slugfest, and I thought that that. I, I mean that in a positive way. Um, they, they they both kind of came off really well. I thought Corbin came off well. Um, I, I liked the idea that he passed out, but maybe, you know, the ref could have dropped his hand three times, and he's like, I, you know, I didn't tap out. Um, I think they can do some stuff with that. I thought he, he, he healed it up really well. Um I, I think there's a difference between – I think Sheamus has, like, X-Pac heat and Baron Corbin has, like, legit heat. I know people hate him, but I, I, I think he's – And I don't I don't love Baron Corbin as a worker, but I think he can possibly get there. Um, so I liked it. I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a nice change of pace as a, as a match.
0: Right. I think Corbin may have started off with X-Pac heat, but they evolved him into a way that made it work. And I love this direction with this character, especially since NXT is, like, WWE's like you know gathering of the indie stars, and he's like the one guy that's like, look, I didn't do any of that crap, but I just go out there and kill people. So yeah. okay, and I just agree. make that a thing again. Like you said, be honest and make that his character, and it worked.
1: Yeah. All uh, right. So next we had the match of the night, without a doubt, probably the uh, match of the year. Yeah, I think it's up there. I, I think, I think you put it up there with uh, the triple threat from Royal Rumble. Uh, a few um,
0: matches from New Japan that I've seen, like some of AJ's work and Okada. Great consequences. And mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some of the matches from Ultima Lucha. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I thought that this match was absolutely amazing. And I was telling you yesterday when we talked, I, I was so emotionally, like, charged up by this match and so invested in what was going on that it got to a point where I was like, man, if Bailey doesn't win, I might cry because it'll be yeah. heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah. Uh, And thankfully, she did. Um, I mean, it was great. The entrances were like a microcosm of the characters. Um, Mm -hmm. The match itself was, I mean, Sasha continues to do like all the little things that really just suck you in. Like, I mean, the stomping on the hand during the bank statement was brutal. The putting the hand into um, into the steel steps. And it's just like little things that Sasha does where it looks like she's actually trying to win a fight with you and it's just details like that that really go a long way towards uh, immersing yourself in the product and um, I mean the the final the final sequence that you and I talked about yesterday from the bank statement to the finish was fantastic Bailey reversing it was amazing the top rope uh, Bailey Kenrana was amazing and then just that, the the throwing of the headband and the, the like the hulking up and then that like just bomb of a of a uh, Bailey to belly was was amazing and I mean you could hear it you could hear the the audience count with that it was um it, it was such next level stuff and I don't mean for women I mean for wrestling you know and that's exactly what it should be you should have the best characters you um, uh, you know, working the best matches as hard as they can. And I mean, I can't, I, I mean, I know everyone said it, so I don't know what else to say, but it was, it was just, uh, it was, it was great. It was, it was better than I would say any of the matches at WrestleMania. Um,
0: you mean one of the top five greatest WrestleManians of all time?
1: <laughs> yeah, people say that, don't they?
0: Yeah, they do. I don't get it. I, I think maybe it's one of the top five most, Surprisingly, not awful WrestleMania? I, I think like, it's got
1: that 22 vibe going for it. Yeah. Where it's like, oh man, I thought it was going to be awesome. And then Seth Rollins cashed in. Like, I honestly feel like the Seth Rollins cash in because it's not like, I don't mean to get off topic here, but um, let me take a look at this card. I mean, who is it? 30, uh, 31, right? Mm hmm. Or, or play, as they called it. Um, Play button, yep. <laughs> uh, play button. Um,
0: and next year's is cowboy star.
1: Yeah. Cowboy star. Um, cause it's too old. Uh, I mean the undertaker Bray Wyatt match is not great. Um, or it wasn't goes. even good. I, um, yeah. Rusev and Cena. Eh, I mean the tank was cool. That was about it.
0: Yeah. Cool um, entrance. Good match, but you know, it had that inevitability to it. It's like, yeah, we you know, Cena wins. Yeah.
1: LOL. Uh, AJ and Page against the Bellas was like a raw match. Um, Orden and Seth Rollins, I I think people remember the the RKO, and they're like, yeah, um, the ladder match was, like, it was a ladder match, but, like...
0: It was the same thing you've seen out out of any Money in the Bank ladder match. Yeah. Big
1: Big Show winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal was just so Big Show could win it. It had really no storyline purpose. Um, I mean, like, you know... The the cash in uh, honestly seems to be the thing that people talk about like like that that's honestly the only reason and it really I mean Triple H and Sting made no goddamn sense uh we we <laughs> talked about that on mass um yep but yeah so um all right so what do we have next oh the main event um I really would have loved the cooldown match in between Bayley and Sasha and Balor and Owens and I think everyone else would agree. It was a great match. It was the second best match of the night. It was better than anything on SummerSlam, but it came after Bayley and Sasha. So I, I don't know. I, I really needed some time to catch my breath.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, that was a huge one-two punch of a main event. But, yeah, the ladder match, it was very good. It was a big, gigantic car wreck. Some of the things they did to each other, I, I, it had that typical kind of Hardy Boys type of ladder match vibe to it yeah. where they just did everything they could possibly do to each other, but managed to do some things I've never seen before. So uh, it was also cool in that aspect. And Kevin Owens, you mentioned this on the phone with me yesterday. What a great character. I mean, just the little things he does that makes him such a gigantic asshole. It just makes his matches so much better.
1: Yeah, no, and, and it's, it's funny to say it's an old-school ladder match and be referring to, like, 2000 and 1999 matches, but it definitely felt like like that kind of match, you know, it felt like Mm -hmm. we were like, it was like October 99 or something, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. which is nice. Like, like when you don't have them all the time, I felt like Dolph Ziggler and Luke Harper at TLC was like that. Um, And yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Um, I liked Balor's entrance a lot. I I thought he was going to do a different color scheme maybe for Brooklyn. I I, I feel, I mean, he's awesome. I love the demon. I'm complaining about minor things at this point, but I'm like, I would like to see a different look um, at one of these specials.
0: Yeah, he uh, especially when he was in New Japan, he had a lot of different looks and different entrances. Like, he would dress up as Venom and Carnage. and I. He's think done the Joker. He's done the Joker, yeah. So there's room to do different things, definitely.
1: Yeah, so I hope they, they, they go to that. I mean, it wasn't wasn't bad. I thought it was great. I enjoyed myself. I'm just saying, like, I, I, I hope this isn't the only visual we get from him. Um hmm but, yeah, so, um, yeah, no, I thought NXT did not even have a bad match on it. Um, yeah, and, and now, now let's let's move to SummerSlam.
0: Oh, I, I'm not even sure how to sum this show up. What, what I will say, if this makes any sense at all, is that this show was perfectly indicative of how the WWE always shoots themselves in the foot with, with the way they book things. Because if they change, like, a handful of things in some of their wacky booking decisions, the show probably isn't that bad, but... They did so many things on the show that just left a sour taste in my mouth that it just kind of, you know, kind of killed the experience.
1: I didn't hate the show. I'm not saying yeah. I liked it or it was a good show. I'm saying I didn't hate it because I know right, there's yeah. been a lot of yeah. vitriol. Um, and I understand there are, like, some things that happened at the end where it pissed people off. But, um, I, I mean, I guess let's start with Undertaker and Lesnar. because oh, that Because yes. that, that was, I mean... That had the most controversy at
0: it. Um, so Undertaker's supposed to be the heel, right? I mean, that's their intention.
1: I guess so. Okay, let me start off with this. <clears throat> the next time somebody tells you, like, what a fucking locker room leader Undertaker is or how great he is, like, cause, I mean, I guess he's supposed to be the heel, but, like, it's, it, they're not treating They're treating it like it's a face ma- baby face match. But like the next time someone says how great Undertaker is, just like look how fucking hypocritical he is when he has to treat someone else like people have treated him in the past. I've said it before. Brock Lesnar is basically the new Undertaker. He's this guy with this gravity that you believe and you buy and is scary and can beat the shit out of you. I mean, it's not gothic or like. Um, morbid or anything, but it's got that same, like, kind of gravitas to it.
0: Kind of like that King Kong or Godzilla or Jurassic Park T-Rex type of vibe to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's just this force of nature. Um, Mm -hmm. Fucking Brock Lesnar sits up. He does The Undertaker sit up that he did with John Cena and laughs. And that's, like, his thing, that he's, like, this... He's so fucking destructive that he does it. And Undertaker, like, to what has been meme to death already, like <laughs> kind of it's not people are like, it's a maniacal laugh. Like, I didn't get that. I get that it was like Undertaker, like, hey, hey hey, like making fun of Lesnar. And it's like, holy shit, you know what? If you treated Brock the way and I was glad Brock just punched him right in the fucking face after that, but if you treated Brock the same way uh if people treated Undertaker the same way he just treated Brock, Undertaker would have never got over. Because Undertaker gets over by people, like, being scared of him. If they just made, like, the Scott Hall scared fingers at him, then, like, I mean, he never would have got over. So, I mean, you can't be a king until someone bows to you. Like, unless you're, like, running away from the Undertaker and selling what a monster he is, the Undertaker character isn't as effective. It's a team effort. So it's interesting to see how Undertaker does not give a shit about anyone else's mystique. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, we've talked about that with Undertaker before. I mean, he basically ruined CM Punk, I, I, who miraculously saved himself by some miracle of God. But I mean, w- what he pulled in 2009, where he had to be, he just had to beat Punk for the belt, and just basically killed the entire SmackDown brand. So when people tell me that you know Undertaker quote gives back to the business or whatever, I'm like, yeah, but that happened. So
1: yeah. And okay. I mean, lots of lots of that stuff happened. I mean, mm-hmm. it got oh, to a point. Eight. Yeah, well, it got to a point where I would say, <clears throat> I would say 2007 and beyond, Undertaker just stopped putting people over. Mm-hmm. Like he used to put people over, and like, and then then he just stopped doing it, and he was like, whatever. Um, so, <clears throat> as far as this match goes, I like the match. It was a hell of a lot better than the WrestleMania 30 match.
0: It had I a big was, match feel to it. Uh, it did. and it really, and because Lesnar beat him at WrestleMania, it's like, oh, he actually is a Undertaker. Okay. So that really amped the intrigue up a lot more.
1: I thought it was physical. I thought it was, it had some cool moments with it. Um, I mean, until Undertaker did that stupid laugh, the, the, both the sit-ups were pretty good. Um, Here's the thing, though. WWE's thought process was this. They wanted Undertaker to get his win back. That was why this match was signed. That was why they they were trying to make a little bit of extra money off the streak and have this be like this big sequel to the match to piss everyone off, and they wanted Undertaker to get his win back. At the same time, they don't want Brock to lose. So you're in a bit of a conundrum here because you want Undertaker to win, but you don't want Brock to lose, yet you're putting them in a match against each other. Sometimes the answer is that you don't have the match. I mean, sometimes that's what you do. That was
0: my big comment after it was over, because people were defending it. They were like, well, they want to keep Brock strong, but they want to give Undertaker's win back, so that was their big concession to do that. I'm like, or you just didn't have to have the fucking match. Yeah, I I mean... mean, Nobody twisted their arm and forced them to have that match.
1: The idea that like oh you gotta sell seats well fucking a NXT didn't have any of those guys and they sold out the exact same number of seats um, the Bada boom realist guys in the room it's true um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know with with Lesnar and Undertaker it's like they they it's like tying you know it's like it's like kissing your sister or like you know they 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 didn't do anything either way they didn't have the guts to have Taker just go over Lesnar. Because if you wanted Undertaker to go over Lesnar, then have Undertaker go over Lesnar. If you wanted Brock to tap out Taker, which, by the way, to my knowledge, is that's one of the only times that's happened. Like, I can't think of off the top of my head Undertaker tapping.
0: The only other time, and it has happened before, the only other time I can think of, uh, there was a match he had with Kurt Angle, which had a similarly stupid ending where they just didn't want to commit. But... Um, this was back in 2002 when Taker was the undefeated in September? champion. Oh no. no! I think it was in the summer, at some point. Okay. This was yeah. This was to set up the three way with Rock, Angle, and Undertaker. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, they had a match. It was for the title. Angle Rock, in Undertaker in a triangle choke, and like Angle had his shoulders pinned down at the same time. Undertaker tapped out, so they okay. said it was a double. Yeah. And did they do that
1: that same finish in 2000? 2000... 6 or something?
0: Um, I don't think so. They did have a match on SmackDown in 03 that No, but they they the had
1: fight. the at um uh in No Way Out 2006 in February. No, Angle pinned him. Oh, he pinned him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um Yeah. So, okay, anyways, it doesn't happen. It it hardly ever happens. And um Brock if if you're going to if you're going to give Brock the tap out then give Brock the tap out don't have him lose and get the tap out like that that like if go one way or the other commit and they didn't commit in any sense of the word like that if you want Brock to go over then have Brock go over if you want to have Undertaker go over then have him go over but don't give this i mean i don't know if this is like a rematch like like if that's what they're building towards which holy shit really um, or, or what they're doing, but it just came off, or they wanted to, it came off with, with such a lack of integrity that they just wanted to have this match, but they didn't want anyone to lose.
0: And- it's kind of like, I, and I've made monster movies examples before, but one of the first big monster movie, quote, crossovers was Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Okay, big, quote, moneymaker idea to take two marquee monsters, put them together. The problem is is that they didn't want to have either guy lose, so the movie ends with them being trapped in a flooded castle and they both go down. And which satisfies nobody because you don't get an answer to the question who's tougher, the Wolfman or Frankenstein. And it's the same thing here. It's like, all right, you built up this match. You got people interested. The crowd was hot as fuck for it and you just wound up disappointing everybody because the Undertaker fans, they got cheated out of a win over Lesnar, and the Lesnar fans, I, they walked away thinking that Lesnar got fucked over. So, I mean, ultimately, nobody's satisfied.
1: Yeah, I agree. I thought it
0: was so silly. Um, Which, that Lesnar's new gimmick is that he's the big monster that gets fucked over royally because that's the third pay-per-view match of his in a row where he's been just royally hosed. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good point. Um... Yeah.
0: and I have a big question here. How the fuck did the timekeeper see Undertaker tapping out from where he was?
1: I don't know. It was such a it was such an ill conceived idea. Like the whole thing was just like, let's do this, and then it, it looks terrible. And like no nobody in the room like questioned the idea at all. <laughs>
0: you know, very WCW esque.
1: Yeah. Um. That said, a match that most people seem to have an issue with. Um. I enjoyed, and that was Seth Rollins and John Cena.
0: My only problems with this match, and it's very typical of recent John Cena matches, where it's kind of indicative of the problems with wrestling as a whole. Like, all right, Cena has all these big moves that he never beats anybody with, like that fucking flying leg drop, which I will never see him get a win with that fucking leg drop. But they'll act like it's shocking that the guy kicked out. Um, Yeah, well, of course.
1: I mean that shit's not going to change. I mean, I agree with you on that, but.
0: Right, and Seth hitting that top rope superplex and then into the Falcon Arrow, which looks amazing, but Cena takes out of everything, so that got rendered useless. So a lot of that stuff going on, but overall, I thought the match was very exciting.
1: Yeah, I liked that it was, it was for the most part, Seth just beating the shit out of John Cena for the whole time, and they, they I think really, I think he's been pretty legit. Like, I, I don't. I don't disagree with, like, or I don't agree with people like, he's a weak champ, he's a weak champ. I mean, he's a he's a weasel, like, Shawn he's Michaels or Claire champion. Yeah, so, like, I mean, he's not going to, like, just fucking Brock Lesnar, people. That's not the character. That's not what he's going to do. So, I mean, I, I don't agree with that. But um, I thought this one, he just, like, he looked like a baller. I mean, he, he was mm-hmm. doing all, like, like, if you do things that are just athletically make people's mouth drop, you're going to get over. I mean, Brock Lesnar does it by just being an absolute monster that can throw people around. Seth Rollins does it in a different way. I made the point last night. I'm like, people act like they wouldn't buy Seth beating Brock Lesnar. What if you keep throwing the guy at the ground and he just keeps landing on his feet? Like, what are you going to do? Like we make jokes that, Oh, Brock Lesnar is so fast and so strong. Well, Seth Rollins is so athletic. Like, you know, so I, it's, I, and he did a lot of things in that match that just is like, like you know, the, the superplex into the Falcon Arrow was just like, holy shit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Same with the Phoenix Flash and then landing on his feet. I mean, some of the things he can do is just like, oh, my God. Like they thought now that you said
0: to- that, it really makes me realize how much of a missed opportunity that match with Lesnar was because it was, again, to throw Undertaker under the bus. They kind of used that match as just a, oh, it's just a roadblock to put Taker back in the spotlight and, you know.
1: Yeah, well, they could. Kind of the the booking in the Royal Rumble was so much better because that was Rollins. Like they wanted to do uh, for the Battleground one, they just wanted to do it like with Cena, where he just like suplexes the shit out of him and he gets no offense. Which I mean, it's fine, but that shit happens to Seth Rollins like once a month, so it's not that shocking. I mean, it only is shocking when it happens to John Cena. Um, the the Royal Rumble booking was better because. Brock would suplex Seth and he'd like flip out and then kick him in the head, you know? So it was like you had like strength and brute force against speed and agility and that's much more interesting. I mean, I get the story that like, you know, Brock is unbeatable and he'll kill you and, um, but yeah, no, I, I think they can, you can just play to different strengths and still not have to have Brock completely squash him. Um, but I, I thought the match was good. I liked the finish. People like, People got mad, and I'm like, you know, like, first of all, it makes perfect sense, because Seth Rollins gave Jon Stewart the belt, like, weeks ago. So, like, they established in, in kayfabe that they were, like, on the same page, and they were like, uh, well, we had our feud, but now we're over it. And, like, Jon Stewart's probably, he's basically a normal wrestling fan and hates John Cena, so that makes sense. Um, oh, the only thing I didn't like about it was the execution in the fact that you knew the second he was out there he was hitting John Cena.
0: Uh, and I've seen that spot get messed up so much. It was kind of like, uh, Hogan and McMahon at 19, which I guess we're not supposed to remember that match, but when Piper did his, it was like, you just knew he was going to hit Hogan with the pipe. It was so obvious that, and the fact that they tried to make it look like that wasn't going to happen just kind of felt forced, and that happened here as well.
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, that was good. Um, of course, John Cena's going to win the next 19 matches because whenever you beat John Cena, you owe father time a debt.
0: Um, oh, yeah. Pass Kevin Owens. Yeah.
1: Um, Sheamus and Randy Orton, I don't even want to talk about. Like, I mean, this Oh
0: uh, The RKO spot was cool. That was about it. That was
1: about it. But, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know what to I honestly don't know what to say. I've seen this match a thousand times. I I don't know what to tell you that I haven't said before. Like Sheamus, just there. There is something about him that is just inherently uninteresting. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but but he is. Um, the new day, however, is like Our on hilarious. a fucking other world as far as like mid card tag team heel shit. Like we're like we're. A, got a good cast. voice. I, oh, yeah. I mean, we're a Def, Tom, Edge, and Christian at this point. I mean, like, the the opening is just so, so good. And the the mic work and the dancing is like, first of all, where has this Kofi Kingston been for the majority of his career? Like, Kofi for so long was this bland, vanilla, white meat baby face that's just like, oh, I'm going to kick you and try hard. And now he's, like, freaking hilarious. And, I mean, all of them are like... I did not like Xavier Woods. I was not the biggest Kofi Kingston fan. Big E I liked, but I didn't think they were using him to the full potential. And now these guys, like, I, I guess all you had to do is get these guys over, was give them an awful gimmick that they can get meta with and, like, you know, a postmodern with and just make fun of and parody the shit out of it to the point where they become the funniest act on the show and, I mean, I, I love this match, by the way. I thought it was action packed. I thought everybody got their spots in in a way that made sense. Um, uh, Titus on the hot tags is fantastic. Um, I, I thought the tag team match was A. Oh, it
0: was very good. And again, like you said, the new day, they are just so endlessly entertaining that they could make just about anything work. Even Xavier Woods outside is kind of a non wrestling manager role. I mean, he's listen to him talk on the outside, he's hilarious.
1: You can't even get a hamburger because all Biggie sells, Patrick, is the tricep meat.
0: (laughs) There you go.
1: Um, Yeah, no, Xavier Woods is hilarious on the outside. I mean, I I can't get over how good they are. Um, What did you think of the, because the match was whatever, what did you think of the booking for Rusev and Dolph Ziggler?
0: Um, If the storyline was good, it would be fine. The problem is that the storyline sucks, and the ending just makes it look like it's going to continue. So I'm just like, oh crap! Oh, it is. It's going to be a. Um... But cutouts kind of on their on their own don't really bother me as much as they do other people because I can kind of sense like, oh, they're they're going to evolve the story beyond this point.
1: Yeah. Oh. Um... But if the story's good,
0: it would be fine. But you know.
1: Yeah. Uh... do do do. do. What, uh, what
0: do you think of uh, Stephen Amell and Neville versus... I Stephen
1: Amell was great. I thought that was one of the best uses of celebrity they, they've had in a long, long time.
0: Yeah, he really surprised me. I mean, normally when you put a celebrity out there, your expectations are lowered, but I, I looked at it and I was like, man, for a first-timer, that's pretty damn good. I was impressed.
1: Yeah, I was like, um, I thought it was great because, first of all, I thought he did a great job, and second of all... Um, you know, I was talking to my girlfriend, and she's like, he's, just, he's getting his ass kicked most of the match. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, theoretically, these guys are professional wrestlers, and he's not. So if he comes in and beats the shit out of everybody, what does that say about them? So I like the fact that he got some spots in. He looked really competent doing it. Um, he sold the physicality of it really well. And he didn't get to go in and just beat the shit out of everybody, Michael Strahan style, and ruin everything. And, you know, Neville got the pin, and, you know, you got to see him do some cool stuff, you got to see him in costume, um, but the heels were sold as dangerous, and it was just like everything I'd want from a celebrity uh, situation, it was just fun, it, it, I mean, like, I, I, we always use Mike Tyson as the gold standard, and he is, but I mean, the Stephen Amell, like, as far as a mid-card usage of a, of a celebrity was, was fantastic. And I think it comes from the fact that he likes professional wrestling and he gets professional wrestling. And he was just athletically and mentally able to do everything.
0: Yeah, and it was also nice that it was Stardust and King Barrett put in the spot, even though, it's like, although ultimately they lost, it's like these are two guys that would normally not have anything for SummerSlam, unfortunately. And now they've got we, some mainstream coverage out of it. Right, right, exactly. And we sing K- Cody, Rose's, or Cody Rhodes, sorry, uh, we sing his phrases all the time. I mean, that guy is probably... The most output, very little, you know, given back to him is it, it, his entire career. It's really amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, I,
1: I mean, I didn't think it was amazing, but I thought Ryback versus Big Show versus Miz was a lot better than I thought it was going to be.
0: But they kept it short, which I thought helped. Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, we had The Shield minus one versus The Wyatt Family minus one. And boy, oh, boy, everybody that thought some sort of turn or something was going to happen, you were sorely mistaken.
0: Yeah, it actually looked like they were setting it up on the final spot. I literally thought Roman Reigns was going to turn around and just cold Ambrose. Oh, it you just thought Reigns like, was going to turn. I thought Ambrose
1: would have turned.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, actually. But I don't know, the way that they were standing and posturing in that spot in the finale, it looked like, man, is Reigns going to hit him? It just looked like they were setting up for that. But no. Um, I will say this great commentary by Michael Cole saying that th- before the match even started, mind you said that this match isn't going to settle anything. This rivalry is going to continue past this. I'm like, well then why the fuck are we having this match? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, that's, I, mean, just... I don't know why we have any matches on this show. I mean, wins and losses mean absolutely nothing, there's like, you know, I, I it's just this endless torment of being a wrestling fan. Um,
0: This is basically just a Raw match, so
1: what else is there to say? I mean, I'm pretty sure we've seen this match on Raw many times. (laughs) Um, All right, so uh, Team PCB, which is the most original name I've heard, uh, over Team Bella and Team Bad. Um, I was disappointed by this. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was good, but I I think a lot of people have said this, and I don't want to be the guy that's just, like, repeating what what the the common – thread and uh conventional knowledge is, but they're not fighting for anything they're not taking like they're not going for Nikki's title they're not fighting to like get the Bella Twins they're just like these they've got these big like super villain goals which is odd because their faces it's like let's tear the division down and then build it up okay so you're having like long matches I mean that are good matches but without context and without like Without some sort of end game, I, I don't know what's happening beyond really good matches, you know, and right, and
0: eventually that's gonna wear out.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, like people are like, you know, behind it and into it, but like, you need to, you need to like do something, and I mean, whether that's like, all right, Charlotte and Becky are gonna compete to see who gets a shot, or like, or whatever, but like, you know, have have some sort of a. Uh, some sort of an end game in place, and they don't. Um, I mean, it's part of the thing where like wins and losses don't matter, and they're they're like, well, you know, no wrestling for wrestling's sake, except for everything we do. So, um, I mean, <laughs> and I'll say be, this
0: as well, and I'm not trying to throw the girls under the bus or anything. This is just a, another one of those wrestling tropes that's really kind of gotten on my nerves lately. Every like four or six or eight or ten person match or whatever, whether it be a ladder match or a tag match or whatever the fuck. Um, if I see that dog pile spot one more time, which I'm sure I will, cause I see it every show. Um, I, I might, my head might explode because it's just, it's gotten so old. And by the dog pile spot, I mean that thing where two people dive on the outside and then they continuously get up and add one more person to the dog pile. And it just, I don't know. It just feels like it brings the story of the match to a screeching halt just to get some flashy spots in. And it, it's getting old.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Uh,
0: all right, so um, I think the last one we
1: have is Kevin Owens and Cesaro, which That's I thought was really good.
0: Oh, it was really good. Um, it's kind of a honor style of match, which was nice to see in the WWE show. Uh, yeah, just very hard-hitting, athletic, really good stuff, and it was nice to see get the win after being you know, mercilessly chopped out recently.
1: Yeah, I think Kevin Owens really needed it. I mean, I know Cesaro does too, but um, Owens is, has been ever since that Cena feud. <laughs> How many times do we say that?
0: <laughs> oh, watch. Yeah. Just ask Bray okay. Wyatt.
1: Um, yeah, so, uh, right, and Rusev and all those other guys. Uh, Rusev came out relatively unscathed compared to others, but, all right. Um, I think those are the shows here, Pat. Um, uh, tonight we're going to have Raw, so uh, hopefully we can do a show later in the week. Um, uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, anything else
0: you wanted to bring up? Um, nothing else at this point. Uh, was just, you know, with its flaws, SummerSlam, you know, made for a big weekend, and it allowed NXT to have a really big show that really delivered on all cylinders, which was fun. If you have not seen NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, I highly recommend it. It's going to be, you know, you will enjoy it, even though it's two or three days after the fact. It was really fucking good. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> See both shows probably just for, like, because stuff does happen at least, but uh, NXT is the one you'll be happy with. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always. Please, please email us at store at gmail.com if you want to give any suggestions on the show. Tweet us, follow us, share us. Everything that you do uh, for the show, we, de- we genuinely appreciate. Thank you so much. And for Eric Clancy and Patrick Kelly, we are... Signing off.